Well, this summer we have been plumbing the depth of the heart of God through a sermon series called Heart of Worship. And God speaks directly to our hearts through these poems, the very vivid poems, very visceral poems. And so far we've explored this deeper sense of God through psalms of praise and thanksgiving and lament. And today we explore the heart of God through a genre of psalm called the imprecatory psalms. Imprecatory psalms are psalms of cursing or, or a petition for God's intercession for justice. And there's an immediate tension that we come to when we come to these imprecatory psalms. These, these psalms are vivid, and they're not exactly politically correct. And our culture, to some extent, in the church has detached a just God from justice. And oftentimes the way we deal with these psalms is we either skip them, we start reading through our Bible and we go, okay, I'm not reading that one. I mean, some of you, I could, even when Steve was reading it, I was like, ugh. You were feeling the same thing. You either skip them, some have decided just to remove them from the Bible altogether, We've also, some have created this idea that there's a God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament, which doesn't exist. There's one God. And some have attempted to divide the psalmist's voice from God's voice, and anything that's a little awkward is attributed to the psalmist. But if all Scripture is God-breathed, and it is, then we have nothing to fear. God wants to reveal an aspect of himself, specifically his justice, and usher us into this richer, more authentic act of worship of Him. Now, tomorrow I'm turning 40. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> this one's hit me pretty hard, I'm not going to lie. Thank you. It's made me think about life. Specifically, it's made me think about some of the injustices we face and how we just crave for justice. We crave for justice. Think about this. When something is not just, when something doesn't go the way it should go, we are upset. Even when we watch TV and the, the bad guy gets away with it, we're like, justice wasn't served. What's going on here? And this really came home to me when I was about 12 years old. I had just turned 12 years old. Um, we were living in, in the greater Los Angeles area. And... My mom and dad, we were living in this apartment, and my mom and dad had just saved enough money to buy a new house, and they just closed on the brand new house. And my dad decided to go out celebrating with, with my uncle. My dad partied a little bit too hard and um, ended up stumbling into the wrong, the wrong apartment. And I can remember um, laying down, and it, wasn't, it, was, it was pretty common for places to get broken into, and I remember sleeping and... Um, all of a sudden, I saw a flashlight by my window, and I, I go to see what it is. As I stand up, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department comes busting through our, our, our door. And, um, you know, they draw down on me. My mom jumps in the way. She says, no, that's my son. The next thing I know, my dad's taken away. And, and um, originally, it was a misdemeanor, but due to some unfortunate circumstances, uh, and some injustices, it, it was trumped up to a, a felony. And my dad ended up going away. And I'll tell you, when that happened, I wanted justice because everything changed. 
Everything changed, and I wanted justice to be done. And as Christians, our confidence, our strength, our motivation, and purpose in pursuing justice proceeds directly from the cross. This is what makes what we have so powerful and effective because it's real, it's transformative, it's eternal, and at the very core, it's worship. The title of today's sermon is The Cross Point of Justice. If you're not already there, go ahead and turn to Psalm 58. Again, Psalm 58 is an imprecatory psalm. And it's a psalm from David. David is fleeing Saul, and Saul is just creating havoc as he pursues David. All of Saul's minions, all of his, his, his uh, officers are creating this injustice, executing this injustice on the people and on David. David's name is getting drawn through the mud, and there's just this stuff, and David is just tired of it. And he just wants it to stop. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at three ways in which we worship God in the context of his justice. So let me pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, we come to you, we bless you, and we entreat you by the power of your Holy Spirit to teach us the things that we do not know. These are some deep waters, God, and you're revealing yourself in a way that we often don't want to step into. Give us discernment, give us wisdom. Give us an openness to grasp who you are in a deeper sense. So, Lord, we love you and we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing we see is a heart of worship seeks God's justice. And in order to per- pursue justice, we must first define justice because justice in our culture is, is very emotive, it's how you feel. Instead of there being a moral standard or a standard. There's often a detachment of God and the gospel from our pursuit of justice. So even as Christians, as we pursue justice, as we pursue doing good, there's often this detachment from the gospel. And we often pursue justice for the least of these for our sakes. We, we love others in order to love ourselves. And I know this because as a pastor, I could get caught up into it. We do things for the sake of of ourselves, and it's selfish. So the question is, how do we define justice so we don't do this? What is justice? We see that God's justice is objective. Verse 1 says, Do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge people with equity? So the psalmist is like already asking this question. It's rhetorical. The answer is no, you don't. But he has to have a framework in which he is, he is framing these questions on because he knows that God is the moral law giver. And as God's people, we are called to be God's mouthpiece and speak out against the injustices we see. We can only do this with confidence when we stand on the platform of God's truth. If we don't stand on the platforms of God's truth, then we end up just having an opinion like everyone else has. And it doesn't matter what our opinion is. It matters what God, God's opinion is on the subject. God has an objective opinion. See that God's justice is definitive. Verse 2 says, Know in your heart you devise injustice, and your hands mete out violence. We see this all the time, really. The heart is wicked, and so, so there's actions that follow. And God judges the heart. He judges the heart of every single person. It doesn't matter what you do. He knows your heart. Verse 4 says their venom is like the venom of the snake. 
like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears. They don't listen to anything. They won't even heed the tune of a charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. They won't listen to truth. We go back to Genesis and we remember the first time we hear about this Messiah to come. Genesis 3.15, this is God in the garden speaking to the serpent. He said, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And at his own expense, Christ crushed Satan eternally. And Christ is calling us to this mission of crushing the injustices of the evil one. He's calling us. He's ushering us into this. Yeah, he's done it for eternity. The battle's won, but he's calling us to participate in that right now. And Christ... This is a tough tough one. This is a tough, tough call. But this is why the people of God cannot stand with those that seek to advance their agenda at the expense of others. It's antithetical to the standard of Christ. We also see that God's justice is applicative. Verse 3 says, even from birth the, the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward, spreading lies. I don't know if you just saw that right there. Let me, let me explain what I'm talking about. So, when we go to Maine, Eric and I now and then will drive up to Maine. I'm always looking for a moose. I haven't found, I haven't seen one yet. But I always see some sort of animal. And I'll go, did you see that? And she'll go, no. I said, you missed it. I said, I saw something. She's like, yeah, sure you did. I said, no, I did. I don't know if you just saw this. The fact is, is we often say, all oh, the wicked, as if it's them. But it's all. Apart from Christ, we are all wicked. And that's where the room for the gospel comes in. That's the gospel message, that we are all wicked. But Christ, the just one, has come. And we put our faith and trust in him. We are no longer seen as the wicked. We are seen as righteous in Christ. And we see that personal transformation precedes corporate change. requires the gospel. And there's this tension between justice and grace. We like to talk about the grace of God, but we don't want to talk about the justice of God. But you can't have one without the other. They're two two different sides of the same coin. God is a just God. He's perfect. And His justice must be served. And so what did He do? He sent His only Son. And because of what Christ has done on the cross... Grace is poured down upon us through faith in Christ. Here's the thing. As we go and we do these things, as we proceed and we, and we, and we pursue justice, justice is about the heart. It's about transformation. It's not a, ma- a matter of standing in the left or the right of things, but standing at the center point of the cross. As Jesus did, girded in the gospel. This isn't a political statement here. The fact is we are people of God. We're called to stand at the cross point of justice on God's behalf, on God's agenda, whatever that means. I think about some new global partners that we have, Anchor Ministries. You're going to hear about them in the weeks to come. I just spent some time with them this last week. Anchor Ministries down in New Bedford. And they go and they feed the homeless. But they also give them the hope of the gospel. They, they are an incarnational example of Christ. And they also tell them about the good news of Christ. And they're seeing transformation. 
Yeah, they're feeding people. We want to meet the needs. But there's also a transformation of the heart. If you want culture change, if you want to change, if you want to advance the kingdom, it's about transformation. And we're going to talk more about Anchor in the weeks to come, and I hopefully get, get these guys down here. I'd love for you to meet some of them. So for us, church, this is a heart check. Do we seek God's justice from his perspective, from his values and standards, which culminated in the cross? Justice is only justice because God has defined justice and Christ demonstrated justice and calls us to seek justice for the sake of the other, the gospel, and his glory. So that's the first thing. Second, heart of worship prays for the intervention of God's justice. Verse 6, break or destroy by force the teeth in their mouths. O God, Lord, tear out the fangs of those lions. Let them vanish like water that flows away. Or let them be invisible or unnoticeable. When they draw the bow, let their arrows fall short. May they be like a slug that melts away as it moves along. Like a stillborn child that never sees the sun. Or may they never see the light of day. Whoa. This is, this, is a, this is a prayer. This is David's prayer. So we have to process this a little bit. First off, how can David pray like this? How can David pray like this? Well, as we, we look in Scripture, and Pastor Jack talked a little bit about it a couple weeks ago in Psalm 51. David says, against you, O God, have I sinned. He's a man after God's own heart. And so David hates evil because evil is first and foremost an affront to God. And he just wants to see justice done. Why? Why does he want justice done? Because he wants things to stop? Because it's, it's an end to itself? No. Because he wants justice done because he wants the peace of God, the shalom, the wholeness of God to come raining down. Justice is a conduit for shalom, for peace, for wholeness. And from this side of redemption, it's the wholeness of Christ. And I find it interesting David, when he has a chance to kill Saul, and David was a military man. He knew how to do that. Doesn't. He said, I won't touch the Lord's anointed. But he petitions God to do something. So the next question is, is can we pray like this? Are we allowed to pray like this? Because some would say no. But I would say yes. Absolutely we could pray like this. An aggressive, radical evil requires a, a radical response from God. We should hate evil. When we see image bearers destroying other image bearers of God, we should hate evil. Because something bad is happening and we should be calling on God saying, do something. I don't know how many times that I have been in many places, gun to my head in a fighting hole when I was 12 years old, on my knees saying, do something, God. And I meant it. Yes, we could pray like this. And we should lament over evil, and we should lament over these injustices, because they're huge. They're soul-damaging things. And we should be people after God's own heart. So some of you would say, well then, how do we reconcile what Jesus says in Matthew 5, to love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you? Hmm. Well, we must embrace the cross point of justice, where justice and grace comes crashing together in this love of sacrifice, which produces this peace, this shalom, this wholeness that surpasses all understanding. What do I mean? We pray 
We get down on our knees and we pray and we say, God, do something. And how God decides to answer that is his business. We just do good and we pray for his intervention and how he decides to do it is his business. I think of Paul. Paul, a murderer. Can you imagine God coming to you, Jesus, the risen Jesus coming to you and say, hey, this dude Paul is going to come to you and I know he's a murderer, but I got a purpose for him. I'd be like, you know, that's not possible. And then we see that God transforms Paul and things just take off. We also see God directly exercising justice. So how God decides to answer it is God's business. But we pray and we ask for his intervention and we mean it. We're called to worship him by praying his kingdom comes. You know when we pray his kingdom come? That's an imprecatory statement. Because when he comes back, his justice, he'll, he will, his judgment and his justice will be, will be executed at that time. But we're also called to listen and respond to prayer. There's another side to this. And as I prayed for the injustices, I, I mean, I prayed. Friends, I prayed. Things were not going well. I prayed and I said, God, do something. Do something. My mom is trying to hold it together. We have these ups and downs of emotions. Do something. Bring my dad back. I want peace. And my dad didn't come back. But God did answer my prayers by bringing a person of peace into my life, a youth pastor who just loved me in this Christ-like way. He manifested Christ. And he introduced me to the Prince of Peace. And transformation occurred. And I stand before you as a follower of Christ because he prayed for me, because he responded to my prayers of of justice. And God prompted him and he listened to it. And and I'm amazed. Every every time I get to come up here and preach the gospel, I'm like, really, God? How did this happen? He had a great sense of humor. (laughs) But here's the thing, folks. Somebody right now is praying for the injustice to stop. And they need a person of peace to introduce them to the Prince of Peace. They can experience this this shalom, this wholeness that's only possible in Christ. We have people, you you might be sitting there going, well, that just is too big of a a leap for me. It's just the little things. The little things. We have a, a couple, and I know a couple that goes, and they just take people out to dinner. And they just love them. And they're a person of peace in their life. And at that very moment, transformation is happening in the lives of those people that they're ministering to. Personal transformation precedes corporate transformation. It's got to proceed from the cross. Finally, we see a heart of worship rejoices when God's justice is served. We see that a heart of worship delights in the justice of the gospel. Verse 9 says, Before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether they be green or dry, the wicked will be, will be swept away. This is an imagery of, of, they used to use these thorns as, as fuel to heat the pots so they could cook or whatever they would do. And yet, yet God will, will sweep away the wicked fast. God's judgment is fast. It's quick. And things are bad and God will exercise his, his justice. And the day that you pursue justice as an end to itself and stop weeping for your enemies... 
and the enemies of the cross is the day you lose your father's heart. So there's this complex emotion that we feel, and you're like, wait, you're saying two different things. No, we could pray for God's justice to happen, and we could weep for those that are, that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing because really at the end of the day, we want them to come to Christ. And I know that might, that, that's very complex. And it's a complex thing. It's not a black or white thing. This is embracing the both and of the cross. And that's the good news of the gospel. We have a Savior who suffered the biggest injustice that could possibly, possibly happen. I mean, he was innocent. And he entered into our, into our experience. And he suffered the most possible injustice ever. Why? That he could die on a cross. And that the Father could pour his wrath upon him. So that his justice could be satisfied. But he was resurrected three days later. And we put our faith and trust in him. Grace is just showered upon us. And we are made righteous we want that for other people. We see that a part of worship cries out, but waits. Verse 11 says, Then the people will say, Surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. God has promised to vindicate himself. And we must leave room for God's wrath. We're not called to usurp God's place of judgments. We're called to proclaim the truth of the cross in all that we do. And everything that we do, it's an opportunity to pronounce or proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and our actions wherever we go, whatever we say. And as we walk in the cross point of justice and live the way of Christ, it's going to cost us, folks. It's going to cost us. I don't want to lie. I don't want to sit there and say, this is going to be all easy. When we live this out and wait and leave room for God's wrath, we're also leaving room for God's, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's going to cost us but we have a reward that is yet to come. We see that a heart of worship perseveres now because of the future victory of the cross. Verse 10 says, The righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they dip their feet in the blood of the wicked. What is going on here, David? You just went off the deep end. What is, what's the deal here? David is a military man, and what he's trying to say here, this is, again, poetic. This is not meant to be taken literally. This is military imagery. This is highlighting David's desire to see victory over evil. I just want to see evil wiped out. I want to see it wiped out, God. I want to walk in victory. And there is a victory now, but there's a final victory that's yet to be had. Revelation 19, 1-3 says, After this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. God is coming back. He's, he's going to bring forth his justice. We should be rejoicing in that. Because we want it to be right. And here's a spoiler alert. Ready? I know you've heard this before. Spoiler alert. We win! We win! Yes, you can clap on that. We win. And because we win, 
because there's a final victory to have. We can pursue justice for the sake of the gospel with risk because the just one, Christ, risked it all. And he's coming back. Jesus wants his universe back, people. He wants, he wants us to be part of that. And when justice is served in our everyday, the kingdom advances just a little bit further. And one day, it'll be consummated, and he'll be sitting on the throne. And we're about ready here in a minute to, to celebrate the Lord's table. Come to the Lord's table and celebrate together. And yes, the Lord's table is about what he's done on the cross, but it's also about his victory and his justice. As he, his king, kingdom is consummated, where we'll sit around with him face to face and enjoy a meal together, rejoicing in his justice and his grace and his mercy and just looking at him and basking and worshiping. So today, as we partake of the elements later on, I want you to remember that. I want you to commune with Christ, remembering that he's coming back and justice is served and he wants us to be part of that and we could risk it all for it. As I conclude, a few years ago, I was sitting with my dad, and uh, I love my dad. My dad is awesome. And he was, he was, he was just really apologetic, very sad. And he's like, Brian, I'm so sorry for what you, you went through as a kid. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that had to happen. And, and as I was processing these things with my dad, I realized that God used these injustices to bring me to faith. He used these these things, these circumstances, these injustices in our life to bring my family members to faith. He used these things, these injustices, to bring people of peace into our lives. So we don't know how God uses these things. Quite a mystery to us. We should just grasp onto that mystery and just thank Him for it. Now this time tomorrow you're going to be faced with an opportunity pursue justice in some way. The need's all around us. So do good. Seek justice. But do so from the, the cross point of justice. For when we do, we don't just change, change circumstances. We transform lives. We usher worshipers to our Heavenly Father. And we bring glory to God with a heart of worship. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this is so hard. This is hard. God, you are so much bigger and infinite that we could possibly even comprehend. And so we just submit to you. Your ways are higher than ours. We thank you for your justice. We thank you that you just don't leave us out there and say, just deal with it. And you've shown us that in your son and what he's done on the cross. So help us remember these things. Help us to do good. But do so from, the, from the, the, the platform of the gospel and the, and the power of the gospel. Protect us in these days to come, Lord. We love you. We ask these things. Amen.